everyone was like, what the heck are you doing? And I just had such a deeper voice saying, it's okay. This is not going to make sense to anyone else. But just keep following this trail. I believe every person deserves kindness in their lives. I believe kindness has the power to change us from the inside out, to change the world beginning with you and me. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Self-Kindness, Self-Kindness with Pete. It's about figuring out how kindness towards ourselves can be our superpower, how kindness is more than just a reward at the end of the day. It's about living clear lives, focused lives, motivated by loving concern, rather than motivated by fear and anxiety. It's about how we make that change, how does self-kindness show up the moment we need it the most. You are so worthy of the kindness that's already in you. And each week, we'll be exploring how to do that with people who are leading this kindness awakening in their own lives. My name is Pete Sibley, and I'm so grateful you're here. Hello, everybody. Pete Sibley here with another episode of Self-Kindness with Pete. I really am so stoked that you're here um getting to put on these headphones and sit in my studio closet here and record a little intro about the guest that i'm going to have on my show and i just think of all of you wandering around maybe you listen to this show while you're doing dishes or maybe like me you're doing little projects here and there and you have a podcast going wherever you're listening i'm so grateful that you take a moment to take in these ideas. Maybe some of these ideas are just interesting stories. Um, you know, I feel like all my guests, uh, especially today, uh, are just interesting people to listen to. And maybe some of these stories are, they awaken something in you. And I know that they do that for me, whoever I'm talking to, whenever I have a chance to think about self-kindness Maybe it gives me a little pause in my life. Maybe it points me back into that direction, back into that fluid moment of feeling something invigorating and life-affirming inside of me that wells up. I like to say it's coming from my heart, and it just moves through me fluidly into the world. And can I be somebody who does that consistently over and over again? So, how are you today? <laughs> I wanted to share just a little bit of writing that came up for me, and I, I feel like this came up uh, from that place, from the heart, and it went like this. There is utter unpredictability in the future, so get radical today. Drop into each and every feeling as a deep gift. Cease looking to arrive somewhere down the road out there and play here, play now, play and see. And I think that's a good tie-in for my guest today who, among many things, is a person who has learned to trust that, that inner space inside of her. <laughs> and I love the way she describes it. Um, about how she follows that lead, and I'll let you hear her describe it. 
But before I get into introducing Barry Tesler, I also wanted to just say thank you again for taking the time to sign up and subscribe for this podcast. It doesn't cost you anything, and it's it's free, and it helps to continue to get this message of self-kindness out to a wider audience, which I feel like is just great service in the world right now. Feel free to leave a comment as well. That also helps, and share it with a friend. Spread that word of, of self-kindness. And also, you can run over to my webpage, which is petesibley.com, and take a look at the three-day self-kindness challenge that I'm offering at the end of this month. It is focused around this idea of there's just so much change going on right now in the world, so much that's coming up, and it can bring up feelings of unrest and anxiousness. And so the three-day self-challenge is called An Answer to Anxiety, and we'll take a look at how that feels in the body, steps to take to just drop in and allow the wisdom that's already in us to come out and play. So my guest today is Barry Tesler Linden, a financial therapist, mentor, coach, mamapreneur, and the founder of The Art of Money. She's guided thousands of people to new, empowered, and refreshingly honest relationships with money through her nurturing, body-centered approach. This methodology weaves together personal, couple, and creative entrepreneurial money teachings into one complete tapestry. She's the founder of The Art of Money, a year-long money school which integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps. Every year, 500-plus students from around the globe go on a year-long Art of Money program with her. Her work has been featured on Oprah.com, Huffington Post, U.S. News and World Report, Reuters Money, Fiscal Times, USA Today, The Cut, Nerd Wallet, and many, many more. Barry is the author of The Art of Money, A Life-Changing Guide to Financial Happiness. She lives with her husband and son and many cats in Boulder, Colorado. Please make welcome the kind Barry Tesler. So, hello, Barry Tesler. Welcome to Self-Kindness with Pete. So grateful you're here today. Hi there. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, I'm thrilled that it's it's working out today, Barry, because, um, boy, I feel like it's, I've been following your path and some of the, the guidance and kindness teachings, at least that's how I, I interpret them, through your your work and your book, The Art of Money, um, for several years. So really excited to have a chance to be one-on-one with you. So I would love to just jump in and let people get to know a little bit about you. Um, maybe you can just give us a little background, tell us a little bit about who you are and you know, why, why did you say yes to talking about self-kindness today? Okay, a little background. Let's see. I am in my 51st year. So I'm, I, you know, to head into your 50s is a big deal. So I'm in that. I'm a mom. I'm an older mom to a 12-year-old. So I had him four months shy of my 40th birthday. I've been partnered with my husband for, it will be 19 years in January. All right. And I live in Boulder, Colorado. 
and mm. I, I've been doing, yeah, I, I've been doing my financial therapy work for about two decades. I originally trained as a somatic psychotherapist at Naropa University in my 20s and really thought I'd be a therapist of with women and couples around body and food and sexuality and grief and death. And then my student loan came due. And that was the epiphany. That was the terrifying moment. (laughs) I realized I did not have a relationship to money, let alone a healthy one or a savvy one. And it just became so clear it was time that financial literacy was such a big missing piece on top of emotional literacy, which is why I went to get a graduate degree in somatic psychology and learn learn how to listen to my body and work with all the big emotions. And so it just became clear at some point it was time for me to receive a financial education. And I learned everything I could, started with bookkeeping, and then in 2001 started my very first financial therapy practice, which integrates financial literacy and emotional literacy. And the last thing is that yeah, I, you know, certainly worked with private clients, but my love has always been groups, small groups, and now very large groups online. Mm. And I can talk more about any of that. And what yeah, else? we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. Why did I say yes? I mean, I don't use the word self-kindness. And so it was intriguing to me. And I use the words compassion and gentleness and love. And I usually say like my approach is based on um, gentleness and compassion and love, and it's not a tough love approach. And so, you know, even though we are using different words, I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to hear what your definition was, but I, I just was intrigued and curious and I loved your invitation and Mm -hmm. good with my yeses and nos. And it was yes for me. So I'm here. Oh, well, I love that. And I love the gentle, um, my wife and I, yeah, like I said, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're fans in the background of, of your work, Barry. And so we, we had your, have your book and I read it and then was rereading it, knowing that we were going to be talking. And I was really struck by how many times the word gentle appears. And I love that because as I started, I don't know, I I feel like as a man uh, becoming more comfortable with Publicly, I would do it privately with friends, but publicly talking about the strength and vulnerability, I found that I was using the word uh, gentle and precious a lot about myself, which I had never done in the past. And so there's almost an excitement in reclaiming in my life that there's power in, you know, not power in the traditional masculine, but there is for me a power to be a man that can really own being gentle and, and bringing that in. Mm -hmm. And so one way that I had been gentle in my own life to get back to what you're saying about self-kindness is, you know, my journey includes, you know, what felt like and looking back on an experience of working through depression and so at that time, Barry, a lot of times people would say, Pete, you just need to learn how to love yourself, how to really get in touch with that. And I noticed that I became abrasive, like that turned me off when I heard self-love. But for some reason, I could get my head around kindness. Like that was so much more gentle. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, words are so important. And we all have different, we have different relationships to different words. And it's important to find our words and to reclaim some older words that we never would have used or find other ones that just feel better for us. I don't use self-love either, you know, (laughs) right. You know, and it floats around my circles and community, certainly. So yeah, we, we really just need to find the right words. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love it because that's what, I mean, what we're talking about is love, or at least I think what I think love is. And I feel your whole book could also be rather than be called, you know, the art of money, it could be the art of love. Really, as I read your text and what you've written, it it is an invitation to, you know, using money as the portal to drop into that which we already are, which is, you know, we're kindness, we're love, and we're all these things. And money is, in my life, has been such a great teacher because it does bring up all of those stories, all those words, all of those yeah, that whole mixture and concoction of the story that we tell about ourselves. And so I love that your work is is really doing this larger work and using, you know, using money as the as the portal to do that. Yes, it is. I am using money as the portal for all this deeper work. And sometimes I say, you know, it's about the money and it's never about the money. But it's both of those things because, you know, money is a representation of all of these deeper beliefs and experiences around value and worth and confidence and, uh, and so on. Right. And power and empowerment. And, you know, I, I could probably go a lot deeper there. Um, and it brings up so much and we'll talk about it. it brings up so many emotions, all the same emotions that come up in every other area of life. They come up around money as well. Mm. And, you know, we, we weren't taught that we weren't taught one, how to deal with our emotions, name them, learn how to be with them and sit with them. And even know that our relationship to money had emotions or they come up and they're just so overwhelming or so strong. We don't know what to do with them. Right. So there right. is so much where money leads is a representation is a tool is a you know for all of this um deeper understanding of ourselves and we create meaning around it all and it means things to us you know in different life phases at the same time there's this very practical part of the financial education or financial literacy that we did not receive most of us you Mm -hmm. know I, i always say from grade school on up and so I love teaching those parts as well. So it's not just, you know, my phase integrates money healing and money practices and money maps. And some people talk about, oh, her work is about money beliefs, you know, and I say, well, that's one part of it. But it's also so important to know your numbers and to be tracking your numbers and, um, and so on and so on and to be planning for the future and um, you know, not as though we can plan everything out. None of us could have planned out this year, you know, so, right. but the practical parts are a part of our culture that most of us, you know, did not receive life skills in. And so it's both, it's about the money and it's not about the money. It's about the deeper relationship to ourselves. And this is a portal. Like I said, I thought my topics would be body, food, sexuality, grief, and death. And those all still get covered in the work that I do. And, um, but I'm not your, 
standard, typical financial coach or financial planner or accountant or bookkeeper, even though I work with all of those folks, you know, mm-hmm. and love them. but some of the, you know, the original books that I read were so traditional and tough love. And there is one approach and one way to handle money and one way to manage your money. And I, you know, my entire being said, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) It's so critical and it's so self-critical. It's just so critical. And um, we're going to make mistakes. We do make mistakes and we have to be gracious um, and forgiving about those mistakes and learn from them and, and just on and on and on. I couldn't, I couldn't deal. I grew up with so much tough love from my father that I had to find other ways, you know, and I, I, I verbally sparred with him back to Mm. survive, but I didn't enjoy it. And so I just knew I had to do money differently, business differently, my path differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't mind talking just a, a little bit about that, Barry, because I feel like we can go two ways with what we, it, it, you know, what, what was modeled to us, you know, a lot of times as children, we, we go the opposite way of what our parents did. And sometimes even we go the opposite way, even if our parents, you know, were doing right by us and, 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 you know, just because they're our parents and we, we need to do it differently. Where do you think that came up in you of growing that muscle to trust the trust that part of you that, I need to do this differently. I need to get in touch with how it's going to be differently. Like, cause I'm, for me, that's, that's self-kindness in action. Like something arises and tough love doesn't work for me. And to trust that. Well, we're all so different, right? As you're saying, some of us do the same as one parent or grandparents, they follow the path um, or they feel the need to bell or combination or, you know, there, there's always that, but it's our money story. And this part of our journey is so much made up of history, our experiences, um, what we learned, what we didn't learn, conscious, unconscious patterns, and also our personality, you know, and our natures. And Mm -hmm. so there's all that too. And then birth order and, you know, I'm the oldest and, Hmm. So there's a lot there, you know, there's a lot just in that. I was going to say, I'm the youngest, so there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there, right? I'm the oldest of three. And I just, you know, with this sparring with my father, there was so much that around money didn't make sense to me. I grew up middle class. Um, and so there was generosity, but then there are also these very rigid rules that would come in that were never explained clearly. And it was so confusing to me, you know, everything from being away at college and, you know, every Friday I had to make photocopies of my, um, the little manual check registers that I had and then send them to my father. And I had to do that, but then there was no discussion on how much I could spend, how much I was working with, anything about budgeting or limits or, but I Mm -hmm. had to do that thing. And if I didn't, I would get in trouble, you know? Um, there were just so many moments like that, you know, generosity and at the same time, these rules, um, that would be enforced in all different moments that were not explained clearly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, it, 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 that led me to being frustrated or confused. Then I really just had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. You know, I, 
Um, I always say I either wanted to be a solid gold dancer. I don't know if I date you, but that was a <laughs> great dancer. So there's that. And then in seventh grade, I wrote a report on um, being a businesswoman because my father was in real estate. And, you know, I wanted to be like him, but I didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I went to therapy like you. I, I asked to go to talk there. I asked to go to therapy as a 16 year old. And my parents sent me to a talk therapist in a mail. And both of those things didn't work, but it was a start, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. I also didn't know what else was out there. Um, But I would also just go into my room and shut the doors and play loud music and dance out all my emotions. So you see Mm -hmm. it leading Mm -hmm. to, you know, needing to find another way than traditional talk therapy, didn't know what my options were, which led me to finding, you know, a graduate school Mm -hmm. in somatic psychology. But with my father, there was a, a really clear moment where I still, I finished my undergrad in history and just really had no idea. Um, everyone else was getting jobs right out of college, high paying marketing jobs. And I just sat there like completely, right. confused, you know, and my father had a grand plan. I was going to go to Japan. I'd been taking Japanese for a few summers. I could order sushi in Japanese. <laughs> really exciting for me because I love sushi. And um, I, you know, was applying to programs. And at the very last hour, I declared I'm not going to Japan. This is your path. This is your deal. It's not mine. I'm going to Israel. Uh, I'm going to find out more about myself. And Mm -hmm. he thought I was making the biggest mistake of my life. I came back a year later and he said that was the best thing you ever did. Um, And in that year is when I really um, found myself in a deeper way and found a trust. And one day was running on a kibbutz and, you know, I'd always wanted to integrate the therapist therapy field with the dancer inside of me with a businesswoman, you know, and, and then I really thought I made up dance movement therapy on one of my runs. And then learned that when I got to um, Jerusalem, that there were entire graduate programs in dance movement therapy and somatic psychology. And I came mm. back to the States and that's when at the age of 24, I started graduate school. So this trust was something where I, I, you know, I was sparring. I had a father that we would verbally spar and I I had to push myself, you know, like off of him. And I saw how he did business and life. And I, you know, I just, uh, in order to survive and then thrive, I just needed to um, find my own way. I needed Mm. to find my own way. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It didn't mean it was an easy road. You know, it didn't mean that, you know, go, learning I wanted to be a therapist and studying, that was all amazing. I still had no clue from there how I was going to create a livelihood. I was making $11 an hour, you know, with a master's degree, working as a social worker. And right. I could not get, you know, beyond that ceiling. And so that's when I started asking all these questions of how do I break through a money ceiling? How do I make more than $11 an hour, 2000 a month? How do I do it? You know, and how do I create a livelihood? You know, and then I just started asking all of these new questions that I was not asking before, couldn't even see, was terrified to. Um, mm. and I just had to start asking. And, you know, that led me to um, taking a detour, you know, from my therapist, social work work and learning accounting and bookkeeping and which led me to you know, integrating all of the bookkeeping and money management with all of my psychotherapy background. So it was just following, I always say the chocolate crumbs, 
Um, and yeah, trusting over and over when I left my, when I got my master's degree and left my job, even though, you know, it was a full-time solo paying job in the mental health field. And I took a, a job making 13 an hour and then 15, you know, in an accounting department, everyone was like, what the heck are you doing? And I just had such a deeper voice saying, it's okay. It's okay. Mm. This is not going to make sense to anyone else. But just keep following this trail, you know, just yeah. 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 Well, you know, I'm, I love that because that, that deeper voice of following the trail definitely parallels my, mine and my wife's um, path. You know, we were living in Jackson hole. We had, started this beautiful music career. We had been there 12 years. You know, we had hit what you might call a, a level of certain level of success with the music, had a home in Jackson. And one night we just had this something that came up in us. And I always say when, I, when I'm when we're in a performance or whatever, and I'm telling the story, it was like we were driving down this wide open straight, you know, one of those flat highways where we could just go and we could see the road in front of us so clearly but we had this little inkling that there was a two track off to the right and for some reason we took that hard right and that meant we sold our house in Jackson we got rid of everything we owned we put the kids in the car who were babies we packed around them and everything that didn't fit which included the dog stayed in Jackson and we ended up driving around the country and that a year and a half later landed us in California. And I think, you know, what I hear in you, this, it just resonated with that part in my story, which was, I, we just knew it wasn't going to make sense to anybody else right now in this moment in 2020 with a pandemic, with social inequities being brought to, you know, all of these things, I'm really curious for you, Barry, like what is the little voice speaking right now, how it relates to your work, how it relates to your family, how it relates to who you want to be in the world? That's a beautiful question. Um, As I'm about, or before I answer that, I wanted to point out another word that I use and then I'll go into it. Um, I, you know, I use the word listening or deep listening a lot. Mm. I think that's another word for self-kindness. Mm. And as you're telling your story about your family and where you and your wife were and you know how all those decisions came to be, for me, that comes from a place of deep listening. And you have to get pretty quiet inside to listen and make space for that. And I know that's not easy. Um, but that's also, that was some of the, 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 foundational tools that I learned in my 20s was how to listen to my body again. And mm-hmm. then that ties into intuition and all of, and many other, many other things. Um, but that was a practice. I, I learned it. It was called authentic movement and it's a practice of deep listening and, and then moving and, you know, moving, following the impulses into movement. Um, but that's, that was how I learned deep listening. And I've taken that to, you know, every decision I've made in life, work, my methodology, growing my business. 
mm. starting a family late in life and on and on. So just another word for self-kindness is, and maybe they're different, but is deep listening. Okay. Mm. So in this deep listening, um, <laughs> what's coming up now? Um, well, let's see. I mean, there's been so many different iterations since this all began in March. You know, we were, my family was within two weeks of about to embark on a trip to Barcelona for three weeks where my son was going to be playing at the Youth World Cup in soccer. Mm. Um, yeah, in Tulu, Spain. And so we were so excited. Um, and and then we fell in love with Barcelona. We went there, you know, a year and a half before as a family and, uh, you know, I was so excited. Like I had my chocolate shop, my favorite chocolate shop, <laughs> um, you know, that I was going to go back to. And it's the sweetest thing. They follow, they follow me on Instagram. And so when they like any of my posts, I just like my heart sighs, you know, like mm. oh, one day I'll get back, I hope. Um, and so that was like, we were just about to do that. And then that all got, you know, that dream, you so there were so many lost dreams, you know, for so many people, um, and much harder things that people are going through than lost travel dreams, right? Um, but that was how we stepped into this, and you know, I I definitely was uh, in my own version of a freeze, you know, fight, flight, freeze. I was in, I think, a few different versions of that, but mostly freeze for a little bit. Until, you know, I finally was able to name my emotions, sit with them, move them, go, oh, this is what's happening, you know, which is something I do in, in so many challenging moments. I go right back. Well, it takes me a while. You know, I'm mm. sometimes it's quick. It's like, oh, I'm in that, you know, that's what's going on. I'm feeling anxiety or I'm, I'm pretty pissed about something or I'm pretty sad or and sometimes it takes me a few hours or a day. And other times it's a big challenge or curveball. Right. And, you know, this was a, a, you know, an international, a worldly curveball. Totally. Right. Well, I, yeah. And I, I, I wanted to just quickly jump in and remind anyone who's listening and reminding myself that, that like that is, it's such a human ex experience, but your willingness, that's what I want to just, just, just point out. Like sometimes, you know, right away, Sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's a day, but the willingness to sit in it until it reveals itself. Mm, mm. It's yeah. huge. So anyway, thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I tell so many stories of this, of, you know, buying a car um, in a car dealership with my husband years ago. And, you know, I had to go to the bathroom. Well, no, we were, I was noticing, I was like starting to hyperventilate. This was many years ago, you know, when, still buying a car was a mid price a mid priced money decision, you know, yeah, and yeah. I don't like make, I didn't at the time, like making quick money decisions, you know, fast forward. I, what was it? Four, three years later. And we bought a house and that happened within 36 hours. So that right. was totally present, way more present on that one than my husband, but the car just like in the moment I was hyperventilating. I knew to take myself to the bathroom to do a little body check-in you know, mm. able to calm myself down, come out and then say, Hey, honey, we're going to do a money date, you know, in the car dealership. Um, I tell, <laughs> I tell a story of how a few years ago I went to my mailbox and got the letters from the IRS that we were being audited for 
everything. And I'd been through an audit 19 years Mm -hmm. ago, the first year of my business. And it was a pretty cute, sweet little audit that ended in a few hours, you know, with all my little paper receipts and, you know, two years ago and 19 years, many years past that first one, so different. And um, that one took five months to get through. Mm. It took a, after I got, went to the mailbox and saw the letters, it took me a week or two of really, I was in fight, flight, and freeze before in the middle of the day, I said, let's get in the bathtub. And in the bathtub is when I went, oh my God, <laughs> I'm in the middle of a <laughs> money challenge. I call them money Cohen's mm, um, right. riddle, right? That hasn't been solved yet. And you don't see um, the light. You don't see how, you don't see what the solution will be. Um, and took myself through a whole process in the bathtub of, okay, name it, sit with it, feel it. Right. And then mm-hmm. start to ask new questions. And by the time I got out of the tub, obviously the audit wasn't resolved for another five months. Um, but you know, just all these little tools of taking ourselves, you know, through these really challenging moments. So fast forward, here we are pandemic. Um, no one, you know, as everyone's saying, no one had this on their one-year plan, two-year plan, five-year mm-hmm. plan. And so, you know, my own version was, as I said, you know, uh, sad, so sad about our trip, then freeze. And, you know, and then starting to question my work in the world. I know so many people, I mean, so many people, I work from home. I work online. So does my husband. So we were questioning this. Meanwhile, you know, so many people were out of their jobs immediately or couldn't practice their massage or, you know, or restaurants had to hit pause. I mean, you know, I just was in a existential, yeah, crisis a bit Mm -hmm. of questioning, is my work relevant in the world? And then, you know, then we hit um, the horrific killing of George Floyd Mm. um, in front of you know, everyone, and and we all saw it. And Black Lives Matter movement, which has been around for a long time, you know, has come even more into the forefront. And everything about social justice is present. And, and you know, it, it allowed me to ask so many deeper questions that I've been asking for years. I mm. Remember years ago, this was in 2013, I did a interview series that I still do. It's called Money Memoirs. And I interview people from all different lineages and economic backgrounds and families and ages and phases of life. And and people share really openly and honestly about their money stories, you know, the good, the bad, the mistakes the triumphs, the legacy. And I remember the first series, I tried to um, make it diverse. And at the end of the day, it wound up still, there was age diversity, there was sexual gender diversity. Um, It was still mostly white folks, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, there was some mix, but it was, even though I reached out, um, to different people of color it, at the very end, it was still pretty white. And I remember being very embarrassed by that and feeling this is not okay. This is not the world I want to live in. This is not the world I want to see 
And that, among many, many other things, made me realize that I, 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 I need to go deeper here. I need to really make sure all my teachers and guest teachers and everyone I interview and, you know, it's much more diverse and inclusive. Mm. And that's, you know, that's just one of the things there's many more, but in this time, it's made, it, 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 it's allowed me to see a few things. One is that, yes, the foundation of my work, the three phase methodology of money, healing, money practices, and money maps, um, is tried and true in good times and bad times in ebbs and in flows. Um, and even in a curveball, you know, unlike anything we've seen a pandemic, right? So yeah. that was something that I came to, which I was really relieved, you know, to, and I started mm. getting messages from past students saying, if I had not done your course, if I had not read your book, I would be in a lot worse shape. So the other thing though, was that my work took a dip in income this year. And it's the first dip I've had in many years. And so I was totally, you know, as of last year, I do my early bird launch every October and we had a great October early bird launch. And then I do the second part of my launch in January and something shifted in January and February. And whether it was political fear, political unrest, which there is in our country, whether it's people felt the virus coming, which many did, you know, just my numbers were much lower for the first time in years. Um, and so I'm having a lower income year and which also led to, you know, questioning my work, you know, which mm -hmm. is really 20 years in that I still question, but I, you know, I always say like your emotions aren't going to go away. We're not going to one day just wake up and not have any emotions anymore. So right. you know, like, oh, one day I'm just going to wake up and never question my value or worth or self-worth or work in the world. You know, I think we're always, it's a, it's a journey. It's a spiral. It's, you know, we're always growing and fine tuning and we go in through different phases, you know, and mm. so that dip gratefully two things. One is I moved my entire teaching platform from Fusionsoft to um, uh, Kajabi. I don't know if that means anything to you. My husband um, has been trying to get me to move over for years and it's, it's so much more user-friendly and beautiful. And we haven't had anyone this year who said it's too confusing or it's too much. There's a lot of content, but it's broken down and literally mm. switching to a new format. And so that happened. I also moved off of Facebook groups so all of my community forums for my private year-long program, you know, we'll have, over the years, I've had about four to 500 people in each year. Not everyone would join the Facebook group, but, you know, Facebook is Facebook and I'm still up, but, you know, there's really no privacy and there's a lot of scary stuff, even though I still use it to connect. And I just, I moved my forum, my community forum over to Kajabi. So it's in my private area. So I'm just saying like, these things are happening while I'm having a dip. And so we had a whole five of 400 students where last year we had 500, right? So I think we had 380. It's still huge and amazing community. Mm -hmm. um, it was this, you know, uh, that's a significant dip in income. But while that was happening, I also was like having this deepening in how, where the content was, how it felt. It's way more intentional in my private forum compared to Facebook, which felt so addictive, um, mm -hmm. you know, and chaotic. 
um, and mm. intense. And so there's these been these beautiful deeper changes that are happening. Um, and I was saying the, there are many things that I feel grateful for. One of the other big things is that my husband's business took off in the pandemic because he helps people get online and bring their, um, if they want to teach something and create an online course and he helps people bring their businesses online. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's always been behind the scenes setting up all my teaching platforms and he's the one who got me online in the first place. I, I got, you know, it's time we got to get you online. And this was 13 years ago, something like that. And, but my husband's increase in income um, made up for my decrease. And mm-hmm. I know that's not the case for so many. Um, and so, you know, the other thing that I've had to do in my program is not just really highlight and deepen and do more research on social justice issues. But of course, I've had to have so many additional pandemic um, and COVID-19 resources this right, year, right. you know, interviews on like student loans and um, how and mortgages and the the government relief monies and on and on. And so I've been I have a whole section, you know, in my teaching area on that and some of it's mm. on my blog, too. So I just in, in this time, I go deeper into yeah, my work and methodology is tried and true, as I said, in good times, bad times, ebbs and flows. It's the foundation that we weren't taught growing up and that we all need, no matter, you know, my community is 25 to 75 years old. At the same time, I had to add in all these um, pandemic, really concrete financial resources, um, really expand upon the racial racial justice resources. Um, oh, wow. That's a, I, I could keep going, but that's. Well, I, I love it. I mean, in what it continues to dish show to me is I feel like I can just hear that deep work um, is just alive and just being fluid in what is coming up because I you know you you said deep listening which I loved um, hearing about in in the words that I use when I'm talking to my community or working with with clients is in my experience the heart speaks to me and then it runs through the filter of my mind and so usually the my life seems to have this resonance, this thriving vibration when I'm living from that place where my heart speaks and my mind okays it right into action. And so it's really fluid. And I guess what I want to, to just ask you is where, how are you noticing that arising in you right now? And maybe even what is your... Like yeah. y- your hope for yourself coming out of it, or again, that, that heartfelt, that deep listening. I've shared a lot of what I've been doing over the last so many months, right? As far as my work, as far as questioning, um, uh, reevaluating, uh, honoring what still needs to be in place and what needs to shift or really what I need to add more of, right? Hmm. And that's leading me to I, you know, I'm opening my Art of Money, my year-long program, where we're going to be going into my ninth year, which is pretty amazing of this year long. So for right. well over a decade before, I used to teach in small groups. I used to teach live groups of 10 people over and over, then 20 people over and over for quite a few years, you know, and I loved it all over all over the Bay Area of San Francisco. And I would drive one night to San Francisco, the next night Oakland, the next night Marin, you know, the next night San Francisco. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, you know, grew to 50 people and now where it is now, right? Um, so I, I am going to open up like I do every year. I thought about this long and hard and I'm going to open it up in October. And like we always do, we do an early bird version for people of just waiting all year. They're ready to begin doing the work, right? And we give them access to the teaching portal. Um, you know, I think one thing that I do really want for everyone is for everyone to learn some of the basic somatic tools so that we all can learn how to listen to our body, trust our body's messages, mm. learn how to name what are the emotions coming up. Is it shame, anger, anxiety, guilt, sadness, hope, excitement, you know, mm. um, mm. Um, fight, flight, freeze, you know, everywhere in between and learning how to name the different emotions, learning how to sit with them, learning how to move them. I think that's the foundation of life. I think that's the foundation of any healthy, savvy money relationship. You know, we're going to have ebbs and flows. We're going to have ups and downs. We're going to have curveballs in life and in money. We forget it's mm -hmm. in money too, you know, and, and we're, for some, they're not having it right now. For many, they are. So that's the foundation um, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. I love that, Barry. That Just that reminder that, you know, starting there, that foundation. Yeah. Gosh, how can people get, get more of you out there in the world? How can they find out about this October offering or any of your offerings and more about your books or your upcoming book? Yeah, my website is a great place. It's my name. So it's barrytesler.com and that's B-A-R-I. T-E-S-S-L-E-R. You can go and join my community, be on my email list. You get a seven-day little mini Art of Money course. It's free. And, you know, that's how you're, you know, you get to be on my email list and find out when everything is. But a lot of people love to start. They just want to taste. You know, they want to know, like, mm -hmm. what's the Art of Money methodology? What are the three phases? So they start there. Then I have this great blog. I have a podcast. Um, you can learn about the Art of Money program. I have the most thorough, detailed page on my website. So you can learn about everything there. You can learn about my book there. You can get the Art of Money book everywhere online um, in the U.S. at a lot of local bookstores, too, um, both, you know, independent and Barnes & Noble or, you know, everyone's online. So online yeah. right now. Yeah. And then um, I'm also on social media. I love Instagram. And, you know, I'm still on Facebook. Well, Barry, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for continuing to follow those uh, chocolate breadcrumbs that you have followed throughout your life to bring good work into the world. And, yeah, such a, such a privilege to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barry. Lots there. And... A great reminder to just explore that deep listening, whether it's with others and especially when it's with ourselves, following those chocolate crumbs as they move 
and lead us throughout our lives, maybe in unexpected ways like they are right now. And the wisdom of that body check-in that Barry shared. I really invite you to go check out her resources. And I also want to thank you. Thank you for taking a moment of your very precious and busy life to listen to a conversation that explores self-kindness. I hope that you were able to take something away. And if you were, would you share this episode or other episodes with people? Or go ahead and subscribe and like this podcast and leave a comment. It really helps to bring this conversation, self-kindness, to the forefront for other people. If you want to follow this self-kindness conversation on Instagram, you can find me at selfkindnesswithpete or run on over to my website, which is petesibley.com, and sign up for the newsletter or find out more about the upcoming three-day self-kindness challenge and answer to anxiety. I love you. Thanks for spending time. And I'll leave you with this song. Until next week. When the day turns into the night This fight Can we give it up to Self-Kindness with Pete podcast is produced and created by me, Pete Sibley. If you would like to advertise or financially support Self-Kindness with Pete, please email peterksibley at gmail.com or visit petesibley.com for more information. And thanks. walking in the rain I would do it all again I would stay this time See your pain Oh, I can hear it in your step the best I've seen you yet When that storm comes back again I will hold you to the dance Be right by your side Every moment of this Lifetime Stay by